The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Arturia, Avid, Source Elements, and RSBE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Steve DeMott and Luke Goddard, and we're going to be talking about microphone polar patterns. So it's a good audio geeky, solid kind of uh, recording-based one. And uh, I think that's very much in uh, both of your respective ballparks. So I want to start off with something that's uh, that it's, it's, a, it's a proposition uh, that I, I kind of anecdotally believe, but I'd love to know what you think about it. Um, is it fair to say that we use cardioid nearly all of the time? Well, I would, I would say most people definitely mm. go to it as a default. I'm going to put my neck on the line there. And there are reasons. Okay. All right. Steve, what, what do you think? I, I think most people probably, yes. Um, I'm predisposed to uh, ribbons for se- several sources, which kind of precludes cardioid because <laughs> it, for- it forces me into, into a uh, figure of eight. Um, but other than that, um, well, I play with polar patterns, but I will say it, I do have a proper recording space, which I think makes a huge difference. Okay, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Back to Luke. So in that case, um, you you think that most people use cardioid most of the time. Do you use cardioid most of the time? Um, I do, and that is mainly um, just really for the reasons that Steve just alluded to. If you're in a good room, then you you've got a little bit more room to breathe in terms of your choices. But if you're working, it depends where you're working, you know, in a small home studio or in my, you know, where, where I sometimes record, I want to keep the room out. And for that reason, I will use cardioid. Um, although sometimes I'll use wide cardioid because, you know, it's still pointable. You're basically deciding what you're not recording rather than what you are recording with a wide. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of backpedal slightly here just because I've jumped in. Uh, we've started talking about polar patterns. We should really quickly kind of like, for anyone who's not familiar with these words that we're saying, um, talk about polar patterns and what they are. We've got a, an article on the site, which uh, I'm trying to think of scheduling orders, whether or not it'll be up by the time this is. Uh, I think it probably will. And um, that's that's going through polar patterns and choices and stuff. But a polar pattern is uh, it's it's a description of the sensitivity that a microphone has from sounds arriving from different directions, um, from the simplest omnidirectional, so it doesn't care what what direction sounds are coming from. It's equally sensitive on all directions to more specific ones. The most common. Uh, anecdotally like we were alluding to is one called cardioid which is the one that i think most people kind of uh, who don't use microphones day to day probably recognize as being how a microphone works which is uh, it works from the front and it's a bit deaf to the back and uh, kind of becomes progressively more deaf as you move around it from front to back so terminology out of the way there are others um, we're going to refer to those. Uh, there are some microphones that do all of them, actually, or all of the first-order patterns, which uh, we don't need to get into what differentiates a first-order pattern from anything else. The ones that you find out in the world most generally and certainly in recording studios are all first-order. So terminology out of the way. Let's get on to uh, multi-pattern microphones. Okay, so you can get microphones that um, in ways that we could describe or, or maybe pass over, I don't really know yet, um, can do any of these first-order patterns 
So uh, Steve's already mentioned figure of eight. We've mentioned cardioid already. I've already mentioned omnidirectional. Those are the ones on the extremes, the ones that are most different from each other. And there are in-between patterns as well. You've already mentioned one, Luke, mentioning uh, subcardioid or wide or whatever it was that you called it when you said, but that one. So multi-pattern mics on mono sources. Let's save stereo for now. Um, Luke, how often do you use other patterns? What on and why? Um Okay, rarely, but the the one that always can when I tend to use, um, say for example, Omni, that will be um, an SDC, so not um, a switchable multi pattern in the you know in the type of, type of thing that most people think of. But when I do use a switchable multi pattern, it's almost always to get a figure of eight, and it's almost always to take advantage of the side nulls. Um, so you know you can do lots of cool things with you know just say you're micing up i don't know rectom with a crash next to it you point the null at the crash and the amount of isolation you can get on the tom is absolutely incredible you know so um certainly for me it's multi-pattern use is strictly to to get at the, all of that figure of eight goodness and i'm sure steve has got quite a bit to say on that steve have you got quite a bit to say on that <laughs> well if yeah figure of eight um the the null on the sides is a beautiful thing because it really helps, as Luke said, with with drum setup. Also, if you have a um, a singing guitar playing singer songwriter type that doesn't quite groove unless they're playing and singing together, you know that could be a nightmare in the studio to get the separation and mix later. But figure of eight works great uh, to keep that separation. Um, I also, as I said, I, I, I am a big fan of ribbons for several sources, which means I'm sticking with a figure of eight by default on those. And I've learned to use that. I also, um, I, I like figure of eight for, um, if I have two background vocals and they can sing well together, I'll stick one yeah. on each side and, and get them together. Cause there's something different about having background vocals recorded simultaneously into one mic versus you know tracking separately and mixing later there's just a difference in the way they blend in the way they sound in the final mix so you know i love that it's a it's a classic isn't it it's an absolute classic right and then i'll use omni if i have three or four that i can put around in a circle and, and get that you know so there there's you know options to play with those polar patterns and we didn't even mention um hyper or super cardioid, which um, I find it can be very useful for rejection live more so than in the studio. I was going to say, do you use those, do you choose to use those in the studio? And it sounds like, um, sounds like you went to live straight away. So, Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of use for super or hyper in the studio. Um, but live, I prefer like uh, vocalists on either a hyper or a super card, usually hyper because you just get a little less of that back lobe. If you have floor wedges, that could be problematic. But um, if you can get them all on hypers and, and they don't move their head too much, it's uh, it's a lot cleaner live. It's interesting that, you, that you're mentioning, mentioning um, the... Uh, the use of those alternative patterns, just because, I mean, we've already said you, you favour ribbons in the studio, and with ribbon, you, you kind of, you're getting your polar pattern chosen for you. There are, there are there's one or two um, non-figure-of-eight uh, 
Um, there are exceptions, but, the, but they're the few and far buyers, between, and they're yeah. definitely kind of like tweaking the natural response of a ribbon to do something else through clever means of you know what's around that ribbon. But uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure we've all used hypercardioids in the studio. It's just that the microphone we've happened to choose for presumably tonal reasons or something else happens to have a hypercardioid response. The one I'm thinking of straight away is uh, D112, which, if memory serves, is, is hypercardioid. I mean, some people um, choose to use it backwards, which I've never quite understood, actually, but there we go. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, there are other examples of, of, of cases like that where we've got a choice that's been made for us by default because we want to use that mic and that's what it happens to be. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, this mic that I'm talking down right now is hypercardioid. And, you know, if you if you know that you're going to stay still, like Steve says, if you've got a predictable uh, sound source, then it can work wonders. Right, right. And then, um, you know, taking that into yet another aspect of audio, if, if you've ever done a film shoot, you, the default microphone choice is shotgun uh, interesting one there just because um that pattern isn't one of the first order patterns you get these uh you get these more directional patterns uh, the it way a shotgun works is uh it's it's called an interference tube and uh it's it does through some clever design uh you it's it it cancels sounds coming from uh, directions other than straight in front you know to, to some extent um right. interestingly um, and this is something that i wasn't aware of for a long time i mean i'm not really someone who's used he's used an awful lot of uh, shotguns anyway but um uh, they do rely on being in a relatively dry environment just because if you're in a highly reverberant environment then the sound yes, coming from all they, directions they, is, is is quite closely correlated it's pretty similar to the stuff coming from in front yeah yeah yeah, they work well outside, very well outside. Ever wondered what it's like to mix an entire album for Kanye? Or layering vocals for Chris Brown? Join your hosts Cash and G every fortnight as we sit down with some of your favourite artists, producers and engineers to talk everything music. Brought to you by Avid Pro Tools. That sounds great. They work very well outside and in dry rooms. Um, yeah, yeah, and I believe the technical term for the uh, shotgun is a low bar response. I'll go, I'll go with that. That yeah, makes sense. The squash, the squash spider. <laughs> <laughs> I can see what you're saying there. Uh, I mean, I think we're yeah. all fairly familiar with the uh, with the figure of eight exploiting the side knolls with the singing guitarist example. I've done that quite a lot in the past. Luke, you mentioned using side knolls to reject like a crash. I've done something very similar on 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 drum recordings. For example, I remember one time using. Uh, an AT4050 in figure of eight uh, as a bottom snare mic and getting the most incredible rejection of the kick drum, which was right next to it and wasn't wasn't insignificantly loud, but, you know, it's, it's almost not there. I mean, it's it's amazing how deep it is. Yeah, because I, I guess, yeah, that's perfect um, application, isn't it? Mm, you absolutely. Know, However, I mean, there are limits right. to this. I do remember trying to do a three-way thing with uh, um, a, a singing guitarist and uh, a was it a mandolin possibly a another player anyway and trying to get it so everyone was rejecting everyone and you you it ends up getting so it ends up getting a little inflexible with three variables put it that way well you know the <laughs> it was an experiment it the, those work. immutable laws of physics get in the way every once in a yeah, while yeah they do and, and and if you if um what you're trying to reject is dictating where you're pointing the microphone too much it starts to become counterproductive but certainly in the example of pointing uh, you know rejecting vocal off on a on the guitar mic or something great as long as what's reaching the rear lobe isn't too unhelpful perfect way of doing it but you you also mentioned the thing of the back-to-back -back, um uh, or sh i should say front-to-front -front, 
uh, backing vocalists either side of a figure of eight, which we all know this mm-hmm. example. I mean, it used to be a BBC technique with uh, with a, with a, a Coles ribbon and placing it between interviewer and interviewee and changing the balance between the two by moving the microphone, that kind of idea, which you can see exactly how it would work. I have never tried that mm-hmm. with backing vocalists. Just because. Well, you can also you you can also do um you know radio drama you know that's the the, the classic walk away where the actor walks into the null as they're talking. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they don't have to walk far if it's a figure of eight. Um, I must admit, there's a practical thing here, which is just kind of like um I I've always found it something rather strange about sending people up facing each other. And uh, that, okay. that could be helpful. It could also be unhelpful. I've never tried it. Maybe I should. But it's interesting to talk to someone who actually does it. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess it depends on, you know, who you're working with. And whether and, or not they get the giggles. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, I guess. That's so, yeah. Or if they yeah, like each other. Yeah, yeah. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit Achoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Okay, so I mean, we're talking about uh, choices of polar pattern on, on mono sources, one mic, one source, that kind of thing. And uh, we've, we've referred to we referred to nulls and keeping sounds out of microphones by using polar patterns to 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 control that. We should probably also talk about um, uh, about how polar polar response affects the tone of off axis sounds. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I remember a little while back, I I um, was running uh, some some pink noise. <laughs> it's a do, fun day out. Uh, just you know, off <laughs> off axis. Yeah. Um, and I remember being quite shocked at, you know, we all know that, you know, a lot of directional mics sound a little bit weird off axis, especially kind of around the, the back. Um, but if you kind of quite consistently about 45 degrees off the back, both, um, cardioids and wide designs as well, they can sound a little bit f- quite dis- Things get a bit swishy and they? a bit weird, you know, and once you- yeah. Yeah, once you've heard that, you know that, you know, nothing good happens there. So, you know, off axis, you know, it's not free. Directionality is not free, that's for sure. Yeah, right. absolutely, Luke, 100%. And this is actually, uh, it's it's a, it's a thing that I'm very aware of because um, this is a lot of the reason why I'm not a huge fan of the SM57 on the snare drum, which I know is a controversial thing to say on the internet. But oh, I'll back it's you up not... It's 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 not so much about what the snare sounds like. It's what a, typ- a typical placement can do to the sound of the hi hat b- spill that you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 glad you mentioned that because you know a hi hi hat spill into the you know near the back of a fifty seven is it's one of the worst case scenarios because fifty sevens we all know what fifty sevens are great at. Um, they're not quite so. I good. don't think uh, I know um, what a fifty seven's great at. <laughs> <laughs> what does it involve diy i, I don't know I, well just, i mean you know in in but, a pinch it, it it works as a weapon but uh, yeah uh, but uh, that's about the only use i can think of for a 57 or a 58 but 
I, when I it say that, like people we're all going look at me like to... I'm, I'm an idiot because they're like, it's an industry standard. It's okay. We'll all be in witness protection well, after this, so don't worry. <laughs> I was going to say, we're all going to have to change our yeah, identity yeah. now. You know, it's fine. And anyway, met... no, but, but seriously, though, the whole thing about off-axis sound and... Um, and Yeah, yeah, no, they, they're, they're particularly harsh. So in, in, this, in, in that case, I mean, I think it's a good time to talk about Omnis, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, Omnis, and particularly, I mean, I've I've had this conversation with people who who maybe haven't used them, uh, not seeing the usefulness um, on in a sort of like you know you know where the thing is you're trying to pick up you're trying to pick up one thing with a microphone why would you ever choose an Omni when it's going to pick up everything else as well and therein sort of lies some of the answer this whole idea about the tonality of off axis spill I mean is that something either of mm-hmm. you did Steve do you do you favour uh, an omni uh, because of the what it's going to do to the sound of sounds arriving from elsewhere? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I like omnis for a lot of things. Like I mentioned, if I have multiple background singers, I'll put them around an omni for that. But also, for instance, uh, mandolins. Okay. If you want to get really close, the, the problem oh, yeah. with, with most cardioids is as you get in closer, you get proximity effect, right? So mm. the low end starts to beef up. And you on an instrument like like a mandolin, you don't really want any of that. <laughs> you know, that that's not what that, you know. So if you take that same mic, kick it into an omni pattern, you can get closer without proximity effect, and it sounds more natural. That's it. Yeah, and, and conversely, you know, um, if you're using... Um, a figure of eight or a hypercardioid, the that is the the downside. You've got this enormous bass tip up that's yeah. even worse than with cardioid. So yeah, I I couldn't agree more. You, Omni, you know, if you're working closer than you'd like, it's it's absolutely the one to go for. It's it's a nice example, the mandolin, just because something that I learned years ago on a it was uh, on a on a tour was it's so easy to. It's so easy to convince yourself that uh, uh, something as small and tinkly as a mandolin doesn't contain a great deal of bottom end, and that's yeah, just no, not the not. case. Yeah, thump, thump. <laughs> it's it, yeah, and I mean it's it's one of those sort of almost um, doesn't make sense kind of things about omnis is that they work really great close where you would normally maybe want a cardioid, but you don't want all that proximity. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the good spill thing, isn't it, Steve? You know, because you can you can blend a closed mic omni source um, more easily. I I find, especially if you're working further back, if you if you know if you're working in classical, if you're spot micing, yeah. you know, I've used I've had a lot more success blending omni spot mics. Um, you know, without them kind of sounding stuck on or sticking out, right. or however else, you know that they they blend far better when you when you work. That I think they're they're a better team player than a cardioid in a lot of contexts. I agree. They, they're just overall they they're they're less obviously microphone sounding. You know what I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> I do know exactly what you mean because they have this halo of ambience, yes, you know, that helps that helps glue, glue them, them together and helps them feel very like naturally happening in a space versus the cardioid which can feel very microscopic. It, it's focusing on a, on a spot. It's- we're edging towards yeah, coining the word microphony here, but uh, okay. um, <laughs> there's some, there is something counterintuitive here, though, just because if, if we're talking about a spot mic application, I've done quite a bit of orchestral 
work and almost exclusively with uh, with um, Omnis. And right. uh, a lot of the a lot of the reason for that it seems counter counterintuitive until you until you do it. Uh, the idea that you'd get in a situation there where it's just nothing but spill. Everything can hear everything else, and then you'd go and you'd go in and you'd use uh, you'd Omnis, um, which intuitively you'd think would just make things worse. And uh, you know, and and somebody might think, oh, I should be I should be covering everything with shotguns or you know hypercardioids or something like that. And that's absolutely not the case because of the tonal contribution and the openness and all that business. And be, it's it's um it's one of those things you need to you need to try to to appreciate um, how useful it can be. Yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely the worst case scenario. I don't oh, know, brass section, big bands or something like that. You know, um, yeah, absolutely. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high-quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN-equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Um. I think now actually would be a good time to talk about stereo, just because things get much more interesting when we start talking about stereo. Just because there's um, there are some techniques to discuss here and some ways of capturing stereo cues that rely on on your choice of uh, choice of polar pattern. Well, I would think we should start by you know just pointing out that there are two basic ways to do stereo, and that's you know or well maybe three basic ways you have coincident near coincident and then spaced right mm. so they they all require different things from the microphone um, and certainly you um, well you can do spaced with uh, with directional microphones but you can't do coincident with omni i mean that's that that's not going to fly <laughs> correct Ex- except except <laughs> for ms you can use an omni you for, can use for the one. m of an ms <laughs> matrix but, but but don't try but don't yeah. try it with two yeah um well, no, because you need the figure eight for the absolutely. Sides, but, and I mean, yeah. uh, this uh, the the two applications where I I think I use Omnis the most is either spaced, where it really really works. I mean, uh, Luke, we can talk about some um, uh, wide cardioid patterns um, in a minute because that's something that certainly I know you've you're you're a fan of, and I haven't really done very much. The other place, and it's worth mentioning actually, is that there's an inherent um, accuracy. To uh, to a um, a true omni, um, there's things get slightly slightly trickier with yes. uh, with a dual diaphragm um, uh, multi pattern microphone just because it's it it's it's not totally it's it, it's not properly properly omni but it does something pretty close to it but uh, a proper omnidirectional microphone is inherently more accurate and the place where I th- I probably use an omni most regularly actually is measurement right. Well, of course, yeah. Well, I'd, yeah. Um, I think you'd be hard pushed to find uh, a cardioid measurement yeah. mic. Uh, ab- absolutely, and it, but I suppose what it is is because those measurement microphones we tend not to use them uh, as regular microphones to to record the output uh, or, or listen to the output because that it's, it's easy to forget um, that they are SDC omnidirectional microphones. We actually keep one strapped, uh, probably about. 12 feet up uh, in the rafters of the studio to capture the whole room. Okay. Well, and that's a measurement mic or, or just a... Uh, just a measurement mic. We just, we were like, hey, what are we going to do with this? So we, we mounted it way up high okay. and kept and patched it in. And 
We occasionally use it. We occasionally, you know, completely abuse it. Do you not find it a bit noisy, though? Because some measurement mics are pretty noisy. It's not a priority in the design to make them quiet. It's n- it's not a priority for what I would use it for. Like, I'll usually mess it up pretty bad if I'm going to use oh, it. Oh, okay, just so to... it's a little bit of noise isn't going to matter after you've been through s- some serial configuration of 1176s or something. Or, yeah. <laughs> exactly. By the time you're done adding all that sizzle Daisy from chaining the fast them. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Plus they're plus they're you know they're they're not they're only noisy if you're using them you know on very quiet sources certainly yeah. you know some of the cheaper measurement mics you know can yeah. be you know kind of quite but noisy. if you have the better ones they're they're not so bad and when you have a full full exactly. band playing full tilt in there you're not going to hear the noise you're just going to hear the bleed of everything <laughs> mixing sure. together oh excellent exactly okay. um. I mean, I referred to variable patterns there. And this whole idea about having um, a multi-pattern microphone, I mean, the way that works um, is that uh, you have two cardioid cardioid diaphragms mounted back-to-back, and the way you electrically combine their output can give you any of the first-order patterns um and uh so if if you if you mix them together uh then you'll get omni uh if you minus one against the other then you, you can get you can get all of the patterns effectively and obviously if you switch one of them off then you've just got cardioid because they are cardioid um this is something right. that um uh, was a bit magical the first time i came across it to be honest i mean when you find a, a fully adjustable um uh, multi-pattern mic but this is something that's become a lot more common and uh, well, what's become a lot more common um, is uh, people realising that if you offer both the output of both of those signals out as a recordable source, then you can change the polar pattern in post. And that's an interesting thing. Um, so yes. Examples would be uh, Austrian Audio, uh, the OC818. Uh, I think Lewitt do a microphone that uh, does this. Uh, they do. Um, of yeah. course, you can do something uh, so exactly like this with a uh, something like a, a Townsend Sphere L22. Um, you can do an awful lot more as well, but mm-hmm. to do what it does, it needs discrete access to the output of both of the diaphragms. And you can do some really clever stuff. This has been a lifesaver for me on a couple of points, just never mind about mic modelling and stuff, but just being able to change the... Um, change the polar pattern uh, post-record. There's a cool thing, with, it, with especially with the Austrian Audio one, where you can uh, they've got a plug-in and you can... Uh, it's got a series of um, phase-linear crossovers and you can have a different pattern across up to four bands across the audio spectrum, which you can do post-record. And it can also automatically really? identify the, the... That's very cool. ..the pattern that will give you the greatest rejection between... It, it's it's clever, it's clever. Um, I mean, I guess in a live situation, one of those could be a lifesaver. Well, I mean, it, this is the kind of thing that I'm kind of thinking of, is, of kind of like if you're... Um, a big disincentive uh, for this stuff is the fact that you need two preamps and two tracks and two of everything to record both of these, which, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're pretty comfortable mm-hmm. that you're going to be fine just, you know, with whichever of your regular patterns, then fine. But um, what's, uh, what can be interesting is uh, in those for those occasions where um, you're not quite sure what you're going to get, for example, a live record, I definitely, I'd, I'd rig both and leave my options open because you, do, you don't know exactly what's, how it's going to work and it's difficult to audition yeah. pre-record accurately, you know. Um, we've we've all done that, but yeah, yeah. But uh, give us oh, yeah. An, an, yeah. anyway. Um, so um, 
I think, well, time's getting ahead of us and we need to move to Find of the Week. But uh, before we go anywhere else, I want to get from both of you uh, a, a top tip for someone who doesn't use anything other than cardioid. Give them a reason to. Uh, Steve, what would you say? Oh, I think the first thing to try is bringing an Omni in closer. If, you, if you're usually miking an instrument or, or um, even a vocalist really close, try an Omni uh, and bring it in a, a, you know, a little bit closer and, and see how it can be more natural. And, uh, you know, with the same amount, it, it's, it's funny because it, yes, you have more pickup from all around, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're not getting the and with isolation an omni, that, you might then need that, that when you bring it any closer. It doesn't matter as much as well for reasons that we discussed. Yeah. Right. As long as you're not near a hard hmm. surface or something like that, you need to have a relatively decent, Room, but don't be afraid of omnis. They they could be really. Uh, I remember early on when I was still in the mm-hmm. four track era, with my little Fostex uh, four track cassette, and I had a um, it was a pencil condenser, one of the SDCs, but it was a, a little Tascam with um, removable elements, and it had a cardioid and an omni. Excellent. Yeah, and I remember trying the omni on a D twenty eight. I had I had gotten a D twenty eight and I was putting some tracks down and I I, I tried I switched it to the Omni just to try it out and I was blown away at how much more natural that guitar sounded. Awesome, nice. So try Omni because it's cool. Luke, what are you going to say? Um, I'm going to say try wide, and the reason really is you've got something that sounds a lot like an Omni, but it is pointable. Um, you know, so you can use it for level based stereo. Um, you can kind of space them out and do time-based stereo if you want. Um, and they behave very well close up and, and far away as well, which is something that people don't talk quite so much about when using cardioids at a distance. So if you want something that sounds nice and rich, um, you know, as a, as stereo or even as a spot mic, then try wide. They are great. Awesome. Well, I expected you to go with figure of eight. So that leaves figure of eight for me. I'm going to say try figure of eight. Try it with a pair if you can. And um, uh, yeah, basically, uh, try try some Blumline or yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really cool thing. I that's really, a beautiful really like sounding. Uh, yeah, yeah. Blumline, I should explain, is a, is a is a, uh, a crossed pair of figure of eights, and it's basically it's it's like an Omni but in stereo. Uh, only, of course, it's deaf to the top and bottom as well. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very cool thing. But yeah, you can have a lot of fun with uh, stereo and um, and figure of eight um so yeah uh that's i think we're gonna leave it there and we'll move on to the final week rspe audio solutions design sell and install professional audio and video equipment their team are available by phone live chat or email to receive and process orders they have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home if there is anything they can do to help Reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Okay, so, uh, Steve, tell us about your find of the week. So my find of the week is the uh, JBL 104BT, little four and a half inch speakers. I I picked some up for my son. He likes to mess around in GarageBand and stuff like that, and he... (laughs) It's, it's, you know, as an audio engineer, sometimes... people do things in your family that's very hurtful like you know he monitors on his laptop (laughs) speakers and i 
you know, so I, I bought them. The, Nothing judge. Yeah, I, I bought them these, and um, I, I have to say, uh, you know, I was like, well, they're going to be better than what you're doing. They're a bit and, better um, than that, though, aren't they? I know they're, these. They're, they're quite, quite good. Uh, I, I'm surprised mm. at the balance. It, I, I hear a lot more low end and a balanced low end than I thought I was mm. going to get out of a little four. I think they're four and a half inch drivers. Anyway, they're really they're they're very nice. They have multiple input uh, options, so you it has Bluetooth, it has balanced stereo, unbalanced stereo, and then the three and three and a half millimeter aux in for plugging in iPhones or whatever. Very nice, and so ni so nice that my wife now wants a pair for the kitchen. I I know them. Um, I remember seeing them at NAMM in sort of twenty nineteen. And uh, having a little play with them, I was really impressed with them. Uh, the what I quite like is their a dual concentric design. So the 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 the, yes. the cone of that mid mid driver uh, is the waveguide for the uh, for the tweet that's at the centre. And yeah, and they're just yeah, they're tiny little speakers. If they're done well, can sound way better than they've got any right to. Yeah. <laughs> And so you have one powered one that feeds um, a passive. That, that is right? correct. So the the powered one has the little power amp in it that then feeds it almost you know a power amp passive speaker idea. Cool, and it, and it runs off mains presumably the powered yes. one. So you haven't got a PSU to lose. Exactly. Yeah, it runs off mains, and um, so you then you also get the the added benefit of having actual you know mains mm. power to power them, so you better headroom. No, no, they're, they're solid nice. little unit. I came away very impressed with those. Luke, tell us about yours. So mine is the Third Man Hardware X Copper Sound Triple Graph Pedal. And that is, it's basically an octave pedal. And um, it has three buttons. Now, you've got a button, you've got a push pedal button for down, and you've got a push pedal button for up. You've also got one in the middle, which is like a kill switch. And they can they can run momentary or latching, all of them. So you can do this kind of, you know, like uh, glitchy kind of kill the, the original dry signal. And you can also program the middle pedal to... Um, send to a, a, an aux output so you can send to a second amp or mm -hmm. so it's very much a performance effect it looks a little bit like a morse code machine but this is um something i think it was developed by uh, jack white and uh you know he approached a, a company and this is now a real thing that you can buy so that is the the copper sound <laughs> it does look quite cool pedal. looks pretty cool very i like cool it yeah i really do it's it's one of those things that works really i'm yet to find a convincing octave plug-in but like you can do it in analog, just rectification and stuff, and yeah, yeah it just make me want to just make me want to get get a fretless and a, and a plectrum and start playing sledgehammer or something, you know. <laughs> well, in, well, interestingly for for uh, Jack White because he's Mister Analog, uh, this mm. is a digital pedal. So is it really? Yep. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. that that just that showed me, didn't it? He's 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 discovered uh, the digits. Wow. Good grief. Well, I mean, okay, I I retract my earlier statement, but uh, I'm still I'm still yeah. Still, rather looking for a way of doing a satisfactory uh, octave octave effect um, using plugins that I have anyway. Uh, mine, mine's the free plugin we ran on Saturday, Yum Audio Spread Light, which I thought was great. I like wideners. Uh, this is a stereo widener, not not a faux stereo from mono thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I just it was just complicated enough. Um, you can you can correct an, an offset. You can uh, you can do either a uh, like a phase or a delay based um, spread effect, and uh, yeah, and it just it works very nicely. I, I was I was impressed with it, so thought I'd uh, give that one a shout out. Anyway, 
That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thank you to nice. my guest, uh, to Stephen Luke. Uh, and we've been discussing polar patterns and microphones, and we could have gone on about this all afternoon, but unfortunately we don't have all afternoon, so uh, we'll have to leave it there. But um, we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Production Expert podcast. <laughs>